All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 116, episode 116, episode 16. It's really neat. We've uh, been going, yeah, for probably closer to 20 episodes now. We had a couple of two-parters and just some interviews, and uh, yeah, but this is like episode 16. And I'm Adam, and with me always uh, are my friends from up north, Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich. Hi, I'm Roy. I look like that guy from Sling Blade. You've got more hair. <laughs> so, uh, you guys are up north. What's what's the weather like up there? Here in Mississippi, it's about ninety five degrees. Yeah, oh, don't man. even get me started. It's uh, it was currently it's almost eight o'clock at night, and it's still in the upper seventies here. So it's almost eighty degrees, which is way too hot for October. We uh, we've been but pretty rainy here lately. Oh, sorry, go continue. No. From what I hear, we got about another week of this. I think by Thursday, it's going to finally break. So hopefully for the last time. There, uh, let's see. Last weekend, we had the air conditioning on for a little bit. One night, it was it was pretty sticky. But where we've been rainy, the leaves are dropping now. And uh, um, it's it's sweaters and long pants and warm suits <sighs> time. I'm so jealous. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I was, I was in bed last night about 11 o'clock p.m., and our AC kicked on, and I thought, it is October. The heat should be <laughs> kicking on, not the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the uh, the Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, the Halloween after 9-11. So 9-11, of course, was in September. Yeah. That Halloween, I remember that, that was, it was shirt sleeve weather for that Halloween. Wow. So, so that's kind of my, my memory of that, you know. And it was kind of a weird time, you know, back in 9 you know after after the attack and everything so. yeah you know they talk about the snowbirds like the the old people who moved out of florida for the winter i want to be whatever the opposite of that is i want to move up north where it's just cold i'm so sick of oh. heat i want cold I, i'm just the opposite i want to <laughs> i'm going to move into into uh, adam's basement okay yeah yeah we, we yeah look, we could we could swap if, if you want to do that we could do the house swap that'll be a thing all yes, right. it's the Chance of Gaming podcast where we talk about the weather. Where else, what other tabletop podcast are you going to get You know, where people talk about the weather? It's going to be super timely when people listen to this two days <laughs> or two weeks from now, too. Boy, are there any <laughs> meteorology podcasts? Uh, I, I, I would say yes, because there's a podcast so. for everything. I mean, meteorology board games, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Are there any um, weather games? Weather-based games. In in Unconditional Surrender, you roll for weather. In ASL, you roll for weather. That's about the best I can do. Yeah, in ASL, you roll for what you ate for breakfast. That's the joke. It it never (laughs) changes, though. In every single ASL game I've played, weather has never changed. So it doesn't I uh, read a little essay from Greg Kostikin, who is a board game designer. Let's see, you may know the name. He was talking about ASL, and he's talked about the kindling availability chart. Is, are <laughs> oh, yeah. you familiar with this? Okay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so because here's one not? interesting thing while we're talking about weather, though. In uh, Next War Poland, and maybe it's this way in all the Next War games, it's interesting because the first player, which is the Soviet player, on the first turn gets to choose the weather. And I think that's interesting because basically – 
the first player is going to launch the invasion whether he or she wants and they're basically saying that thematically you can choose do i want to invade in bad weather or do i want to invade in good weather almost as if they're holding off the invasion waiting for the weather to be what they want it to be so there's our weather and board gaming talk well you know um the the russians uh historically have had general winter so you know that's that's been a thing it's general winter yeah General Will, General Winter dealt with Napoleon. He dealt with Hitler. You know, yeah, General Winter. He's very successful. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if never get involved in the land weather. war in Asia. <laughs> True, and also don't invade the uh, the Russian front in the winter. Although I want to say Operation Barbarossa started in the spring. Yeah, it just took a long time. <laughs> yeah, they just didn't get as far as they thought. And, uh, you know, when Napoleon made it over there, they were like, ah, screw it. Let's just burn Moscow to the ground and leave. So so he got all the way there to the city, and the Russians burned it to the ground and left. And then they were like, oh, shit, what do we do? So we got to go back to France. And, uh, yeah, but, you know, the Eastern Front, otherwise, yeah, they were like, yeah, well, you just hang out here. Winter's coming. Winter is coming. So, you know, anyway. So, how we like to start out this podcast is uh, what you're playing, and surprisingly, if you follow this podcast from like the beginning, you know I don't play that much, but man, I've been playing some stuff lately, and it's this definitely the first time that you've played more than me, that's for sure. I know. Uh, I think uh, now it's, I've started playing X-Wing 2.0, and uh, started playing regularly. Thursday night is our night uh, for playing it, and we actually have a tournament uh, coming this Saturday, the very first uh, 2.0 tournament for our local store, and I'm excited. I actually won my first game this past week after like watching and learning how it goes. Uh, Rich, are you still playing X-Wing at all? I have not played 2.0 at all. I've got the old stuff sitting here, just sort of collecting dust at this point. I really want to get it back out, though. I mean, I've, I've, I've never played it like out and about at the game shops and everything. I always just played it with my daughters, but reading all the news about X-Wing 2 makes me want to get X-Wing 1 back on the board. So I was actually thinking about playing that tomorrow night with my little one. Yeah, I could not tell you what the differences are between 1.0 and 2.0, but um, I whatever it is, I like it. I like 2.0, and of course, I am, you know, I'm only buying what's available as 2.0. So I'm yeah. kinda, I'm kind of handicapped from these guys that did 1.0 and bought the conversion kit and you know all that stuff. So you know, yeah. So what are you flying right now? Uh, Rebels. This is, okay. is what I've been doing. I actually I have a list for uh, seven Tie Fighters, but I yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't own that many. I, I yeah. was just like I was like, what can you do in this game that is swarm related? And yep. then I was like, I swarm. Oh, yeah, I'm like Tie Fighters are super cheap. Let me see how many I can do. And I'm like, wow, I can do seven and have leftover thing. You know, whatever. Um, my first couple of times I tried flying Luke. Because everybody's like, oh, man, Luke is a badass. No, I can't do anything with him. So I left him at home last time and brought Porkins and Wedge <coughs> and did a lot better. I didn't realize Porkins was in the game. Uh, yes, he is part, at the very least, uh, I know with 2.0, when you buy the um, an X-Wing, he comes with it. Okay. As, as one of your options, so, yeah. Well, it's good to hear that X-Wings are playable because that was one of the complaints about 1.0 as they got toward the end, 
you know, and all the new ships came out, it's like the name of the game is X-Wing, but no one would ever fly an X-Wing in this game because they're terrible. So maybe that's just because it's 2.0 and X-Wing is the first ship out again. But everybody wants to fly an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter. I mean, those are those are these ships and the other ships are cool, but you don't want to make your your X-Wings and your TIE Fighters so bad that nobody will fly them. My last game, I flew three X-Wings and uh, one Y-Wing, and my opponent flew that ship from Rebels. I'm not, I, the I Ghost? Don't watch, yeah, I don't watch that show, so I was unfamiliar yeah. with it. He the big, that, huge one? Yes. Yeah, he that's flew, the, the Ghost or the VCX-1000, I think. Yeah. And he, he flew that, and uh, there's another crappy little Rebel scout ship whatever it is, and uh, he flew those two things against me, my three X-Wings and a Y-Wing, and I, I managed to win. So, yay so me. the Ghost comes with a little shuttle also. Was that the one he was flying with, the Ghost? No, because he never la- he never launched it. It was uh, some other thing, some brown ship okay. that, was, that was a cheaper Rebels uh, thing. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> to me, it's, you know, trying to... Because you kind of have to guesstimate, like, getting around, um, you know, the debris and asteroids and stuff like that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always entertaining when you screw yourself or your your opponent <laughs> does. You know, you crash into it like, whoops. Well, or, and the best is when you, uh, in your mind, you were going to make a right turn and then you slap it down and the ship was pointed the wrong way and you actually made a left turn. Oh, You're like, shit. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I just flew off the board. That's great. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Because, like, the last one, we're like, they were like, look, okay, the tournament is is coming up next week, so we're, we're going to play this um, – as uh, we're gonna play it like we're doing a tournament. We're doing like a minute fifteen for the whole, the whole shebang, and uh, yeah, we're doing it like a tournament. There's no take backs. There's no do overs. You know, whoops, I forgot to do this. We're gonna play it like a tournament. And so yeah, I did that several times with like, oh, I wasn't thinking about like which way I was facing, and uh, yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's it's been entertaining. <laughs> So, uh, the next thing uh, we played was Flames of War. Flames of War has made its way into my shop big time. And the main reason why, if you happen to be listening, Battlefront, the company that owns Flames of War out of New Zealand, uh, they called up my local shop and they were like, look, um, we don't, nobody in your state stocks our product and we would like you to be the first. And so my local shop was like, oh, okay, Adam's talked about this game a couple of times. In fact, he's tried to get this uh, through us a couple of times. So, yeah, let's do it. And uh, they placed a pretty big order. And, uh, yeah, it's just taken off like gangbusters. And it's been really cool because a whole bunch of people have bought starter armies. And just, yeah, I'm excited. I'm like living in this uh, gaming renaissance that I've wanted to live in for like the past 20 years. It, so what's the scale of that? That's is that ten millimeter? Uh, fifteen. Flames okay. of War is a fifteen millimeter uh, World War Two game, and mm-hmm. uh, interest. I've owned it and played it since first edition, and I did not play third hardly at all. But apparently, there was a very controversial move from third to fourth. 
I don't know anything about it, whatever, but apparently that w- it was as, as controversial as there was Warhammer Fantasy going to Age of Sigmar. It was a huge deal with lots of butthurt and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about that. But I know my old uh, gaming group that I used to play with, after I left 10 years ago, they, they played Flames of War 3.0. And they got so angry at 4.0 that they never played it. And so here we are, a bunch of us, you know, up here in the Jackson, Mississippi area are playing Flames of War, 4th edition, and we like it. So, you know, there you go. Now, parenthetically here, I happen to see that you uh, got some people shouting at each other um, on, a, <laughs> on a message board. And oh, yeah, Richard yeah, yeah. also mentioned that. <laughs> So oh, can yeah. you can you expound on that a little bit? Is this in yes. relation to Flames of War? Yes, yes, it is because okay. it happened on. Okay, Flames the Flames of War <laughs> is is owned by Battlefront, which is a company out of New Zealand, and apparently the switch from 3.0 to 4.0 caused so much problems on their own forums that they deleted them and just went to Facebook. So if you want to actually talk, social media, whatever, uh, just ask questions, whatever, get into the game, you have to do it through the Flames of War Facebook group. Okay. So I hop on there, and I innocently ask a question. Look, this is, I, in my opinion, this I can't even remember what the question was. It's because, something about turrets getting stuck, right? Yes, yes, you're right, you're right, that was it, because I was like, I remember that from a previous edition, I just, you know, just typed on there, just like, you know, just typed on there, like, hey, um, you know, is there anything in 4.0 about, um, you know, turrets getting stuck when you get hit, because it's like, I remember that from a previous edition, and there were just, like, I got a couple of responses off the get-go that were like, no, they don't do that in this edition, because, you know, they wanted to play fast, and I'm like, okay, and so I back away from it. And <laughs> later on, this horrible argument breaks out in the comments of my question about, like, 4.0 being terrible and 3.0 being great. And, like, literally some people were going to fight some pe- You know, they were like, you know, I want to fight you. I want you to, you know, I want your kids to get cancer and you to die. And, you know, all this stuff <laughs> popped out. And then, like... Uh, so yeah, and then it was it was locked and deleted. So I was like, "Dad, gum, holy shit!" I'm like, "I did not mean to start this." All come I at asked, me, you keyboard warriors! I know. I'll take like, you all. It was <laughs> okay. just a simple question that I just asked, <laughs> and it just degenerated between two people on there that talked about it that were just went after each other. I mean, personally, I mean, they were going after each other's family and children, and golly. And ugh, I'm like, yeah, general, I'm like, I don't generally see that kind of level of hatred since like, uh, you know, Warhammer third edition. But yeah, apparently Flames of War third edition to fourth edition, really controversial. It makes people want to threaten other people's children. So there you go. <laughs> so you're going to go on uh, go on another message board and ask if a, a Y-wing turret can get stuck then? <laughs> Uh, uh, well, yeah, if, if, if they agree, like, it will. I, I did pose this question on Reddit. I was just curious after my last thing was, I was like, what is the most expensive small base ship 
you can build in um, X-Wing 2.0. Oh, for points? Yes, point Okay. The most expensive thing you can build in X-Wing um, 2.0. And what it turned out to be, um, it was a Y-Wing. Yeah. It was a, I'm trying to pull it up now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Reddit changed its... Um, you know, interface and it's a whole damn thing. And oh uh, yeah, I, I'm stalling for time as I talk. And d- d- ah, yes, here it is. What's the most expensive small base ship you can build? And this is it. It's 116 points. <laughs> and uh, you know, 2.0 is basically you play it's what a 200 point game. So at 116 points, it's Nora Wexley in a Y wing with Luke Skywalker, R2D2. Proximity mines, an ion cannon turret, proton torpedoes, saturation salvo, and afterburners. So, there you go. The most expensive thing you can build in small in a, in a small base. So, is it competitive? <laughs> I'm guessing not, because that <laughs> okay. that's a whole lot of points. Yeah, it's still a Y-Wing, and if you get hit, what, Y-Wing's probably got a couple shields and four health or something like that. Uh, it's two shields and five health, okay. I think. Because, yeah, what I usually do is I take hull upgrades on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the main reason why I asked this question was because I generally end up spending too much money on, uh, too much points on Y-Wings. Always. Because I'm you like, like oh, well, Yeah, I do. I love Y-Wings. But I'm then I'm like, oh, yeah, let me throw this on there and throw this on there. And, yeah, so there you go. So, um, the other thing I got to play yesterday was um, Blood Bowl, which is a fantasy football game. Literally, fantasy football. And uh, I have not played a game in it forever. And the guy I played with had not played one in forever either. So, we kind of hope it will take off in the area. Blood Bowl is is uh, done by Games Workshop. And um, it's literally fantasy football with orcs and elves versus humans and dwarves and whatnot. So, yeah. And uh, I truly believe I don't really know much about sports, period. I think it plays more like rugby than American football. But I could be wrong. So, there you go. And uh, the other thing was uh, a guy locally is really pushing me to play Saga with him. And Saga is a Dark Age skirmish game put out by, I think it's Tomahawk Studios, which it's it's a French company, I believe. And it's interesting because it's dice-based in the sense that you have your own special dice and you roll them before the game starts and it gives you different abilities that your little army can do. So, yeah, he's trying to get me to play that. But, you know, anyway. Anyway, Roy, what have you been playing? So, on uh, my regular Friday night game night, uh, I have a friend who is, um, he's trying to be a game designer. And so he got this thing called the White Box uh, of Game Design, something like that it's called. Um and so basically, it's it has it's a book with a bunch of essays in it and a bunch of little bits and everything. And he uh, put together a game. So I played an alpha test game about the Inquisition. So um, and it's loosely about that. Um, so what I played was a game that was a grid of six by six, and each um, each square was a business, and uh, that corresponded to a 
card that that I drew, and so it was a secret business, and I could um, put money on the business, or uh, it'd be so it'd be either on my card next to me or out on the board, and then uh, people around would like start interrogating my cards like are you what what column are you in what uh row are you in what quadrant of the board are you in uh to try to kind of suss out what businesses i had and therefore go and burn it down and then take the money from it and then then also i could take and spend the money to uh for victory points so basically it's kind of a a little bit of a race of gathering um money that i can then turn in for, for points until or and a race against the clock trying to beat other people from sussing out what um what my properties were so it's it has some legs to it um the uh there are three colors there's the merchant the agent and the inquisitor and so each each one of those roles corresponds to a color so if i go onto a space then I have to choose a combination of that and the other two roles that the people on either side of me choose. Um, and so that kind of limits my actions that I can take. Um, and so, you know, we played about an hour of that and um, gave him some feedback on it. And, and so, you know, I don't know, maybe someday you'll see this. So it's, it's, a, it's a game about the Inquisition. And that's not really much more I can say about it. Okay, so, I I will take a look at this because in the link you provided and you'll see in the show notes um, is uh, w- was this guy's Kickstarter. This is yeah. Jeff Tidbull, I, th- I think is his name, mm-hmm. and he was asking when he did his Kickstarter. It looks like for the the low low price of I think like you know twenty grand or or something like that, and he ended up. Raising like a hundred and twenty grand, yeah, it's one hundred nineteen thousand dollars is what he he ended up raising with this the white box, and it seems really cool. Like if you were interested in being like a game designer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to coming up with some stuff, it's got a lot of bits and bobs from dice and meeples and you know all these little counters. Yeah, it seems like a really cool thing, and I, I can't believe I've never heard of this. It came out. I think all this stuff actually shipped at the end of year 2017. So it's a couple years and, old. And I don't remember where he got that from. He might have bought it at Gen Con, uh, this past Gen Con. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I don't think he kickstarted it. Oh, okay. Just interesting. So, and uh, moving on, I played some Gloomhaven. So finally played my second game of Gloomhaven, and we were successful with the first scenario now that we kind of knew what had to happen. Um, we uh, we house ruled a little bit of, of things because there was one situation where um, line of sight didn't really make a whole lot of sense because I believe the rules say any corner of the of the shooter hex to any corner of the target hex if it passes through the door hex then that's clear line of sight but it just didn't make a whole lot of sense so we kind of and it, I would have been killed if uh, if the the third archer had been able to shoot me. Yeah. Um, so we kind of house ruled it because I mean the fi- the figure stands in the center of the hex. It doesn't stand on a corner. Um, so we kind of decided that 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 center to center would be a better way to play it. Um, and then we also house ruled the once all of the uh, 
the enemies are down, then any money that's left on the map, we can just kind of take and split up. Oh, really? That's a big house roll. Because, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we've got a uh, we've got a scoundrel in our parties and he pretty much vacuums up everything the whole game anyway. So there's not a whole lot of loot left on the ground. But I I don't know if this is the official rules. We always play. You have until the end of the that round to loot up anything you want, and then it's over. Okay. And then what's your what should do you have a what's your thoughts about line of sight? Um, I don't know. There was it hasn't come into play that much. There was the last, I think the last scenario we played had a sort of odd map where you're sort of forced into a serpentine kind of hallway, and there were no line of sight issues because everyone had to stand in line anyway. Um, okay. But I think, I think we were doing center to center, but I don't know that it's come up where we've had they actually had to like look up the rule yet. So I think it's okay. it's always been obvious for us. So I think the rule is that any yeah any corner of the hex to any corner of the target hex, if it passes, and this was a deal where I was standing in a hallway and there were archers inside the room. Yeah. And two of them had a beat on me, but the third one, per the rules, also had a beat on me, but. It just looking at the map, it didn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it was kind of one of those weird hinky kind of situations. I like the uh, imperial assault line of sight rules, where it's it doesn't use hexes; it uses box or squares. But I think it's one of your corners to any two of their corners, which is kind of nice because imperial assault is one game where line of sight is not necessarily, uh, you know, doesn't work both ways. Like in ASL and I think in Gloomhaven, in most games, if I can see you, you can see me. But mm-hmm. in Imperial Assault, you actually have the chance to, you know, hide behind corners where you can see them and they can't see you, which is nice. Okay. And then finally, I played Royals. Um, so this is a game of, um, you're basically, you're, you're, you get to murder the aristocracy. Um <laughs> So it's there's it's set in Europe. So there's uh, Spain, England, uh, France, and Germany, and each city has a particular number of nobles in it. So like, in London is the king, and then in you know in I don't know in Manchester maybe a cardinal and a, um, a marshal or something. And so you uh, you play the number of cards that that match the country so like for the king yeah i have to have eight cards eight of that particular country and if i lay down those eight then the king belongs to me and i get the i get his influence essentially i i've blackmailed him or 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 whatever and and he is beholden to me so if somebody wants to take over the control of that king they have to play those eight cards again and they have to play two assassination cards so that king gets deposed and their king goes into into power um so this you know this is a game that um it's cutthroat and the it's pretty nice at the beginning of the game as people are filling up cities and taking control of nobles but you get to mid game and there's no free nobles left so then the that's when the murdering happens um (laughs) and so it's it's a game i think that really shines with five people it plays two to five, but I think five is the best. Um, so anyway, yeah, Royals is is a pretty fun game. I like that one. 
And uh, Rich, you've been playing D&D Carthoon? Yeah, we've talked about this before. I've actually got kind of three consistent groups now where we're I've got a, a Dungeons & Dragons group where we're playing the Carthoon setting, got a Call of Cthulhu group, and I've got a Gloomhaven group. And all of those we've talked about before, but those are kind of um, probably at least every other week I'm playing each of those now and trying to trying to play every week but so playing all those uh at my last gaming group which was i guess last saturday i think um for the st louis war gamers we played falling sky a couple of times and i even i brought the aerial vistas expansion which i think i talked about in the last podcast um but we didn't actually play it we just played regular falling sky and everyone really enjoyed it so we ended up playing it twice um it's a coin game i've talked about it before it takes place um in uh, Europe, Gaul, in uh, times of the the Roman conquest. So we played the uh, the reconquest of Gaul scenario, which is I think 53 BC, and uh, had a good time. And then the one game that I played that was new that I haven't played yet, I talked about before, was uh, Table Battles, um, and that's a Hollenspiel game. We actually we talked about it a little bit um, when we interviewed Tom for the. You know, I think it came out last week. Um, but yeah, so I, I picked up Table Battles and I got to play that. And it's really a lot of fun. It's it's very simple, very light. Um, but it's it's got a, a very interesting little um, back and forth system where you basically you have your armies laid out in front of you. And each of your armies has, you know, a number of health points or hits that they can take, however you want to refer it to it, a strength. Um, and they each and every army basically just has a card that represents it. There's no maneuvering on the table or anything like that, but the cards are all set up for specific battles. So if you've got one battle, it's, you know, I think the first one, the Battle of White Mountain, it's 1620. Uh, it's between, you know, the, the Imperials and the Catholics versus the Protestants. And you've got your order of battle set up with your cavalry and your different units. And um, But each one can do certain hits against certain other uh, cards. So basically you can't just say, well, I want to hit this guy. You've got a choice of, you know, you have to hit this guy unless he's already dead, in which case you can hit this guy. Um, but most cards are set up so that you don't really have a choice. It says who you can hit. And then there's also cards that on, on the bottom half of your cards are reactions that you can take to basically absorb hits or stop hits from happening. So you may see that your opponent, maybe he's got his infantry and he's got a bunch of dice on there and he's getting ready to hit you really hard. But you also notice that that infantry has a reaction of a screen against something. If you attack him before he attacks you, A, he loses his attack, but also he's going to have to take that reaction and lose some of the dice off of his card. So um, it's a lot of fun. I, I played it a couple times just solitaire, and my wife was looking at it and going, oh, yeah, I want to play that. So I'm going to play that one some more. It's a very small footprint, very light, um, but a lot of fun. And that's by Holland Spiel. Okay. Yeah, it reminds me of Pub Battles by um, that other company, which is in Europe and is more expensive. So, <laughs> yeah. There you go. So, uh, moving on to what's on your radar, the first thing we had was Certifiable Studios launched D6. Dungeons, Dudes, Dames, Danger, Dice, and Dragons. And um, I wanted to toss this... Like, on here because they are right in my backyard 
and my wife ended up as an actress in the uh, the video on the Kickstarter page, and I actually ended up spending some time at Certifiable Studios this week. So, oh. just gonna toss it on here. And uh, that's the weird thing is, is like, look, they they don't need my help. They don't need the 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 attention they're gonna get from this podcast. They don't need it because. Uh, and of course, I had no idea how successful they were. I kind of casually knew about them. I think uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll know them from uh, Who Goes There is probably their biggest uh, game that they've done. And uh, yeah, it's they've done several six-figure podcasts. In fact, uh, as we talk about this, this podcast, uh, this Kickstarter for D6, they wanted $66,000. It's up to $172,000 mm-hmm. as it goes. So, yeah, they're really successful. And it was really interesting. If you follow us on Twitter at Chance of Gaming, all one word on Twitter, you could see the stuff I posted from just being in their studio. And it was just really, really neat. They have, like, a bar with you know alcohol and they have like a bar with cereal they have a uh, they had a copy of heroes quest and fireball island and you know all this kind of stuff that was all over the the place so it was really neat to me and uh yeah it's just not something that i get a chance to see a major studio to to be able to go in there and you know stuff like that so it was neat to me cool yeah, I heard about this actually uh, yesterday from one of the people I played Gloomhaven with. So, and uh, the artwork has always been attractive to me. Uh, Jesse LeBay, or, or Lab LeBay, ever how you say it, is it's I've known him, known of him, for about a decade now. I I first uh, ran into him at a local gaming, uh, local comic book store about ten years ago. And he and a guy were doing this, uh, just a bunch of cards for the War of Barona, I think is what it's called. And I'll try to link this in the uh, the show notes. And I just dig his art style, and uh, it's very prevalent in D6 here. So yeah, is that kind of a chibi style? It sort of is. They're a little bigger than normal chibi-type stuff, but yeah, to me, he has a distinct style that I could point out, like, oh, that's that's Jesse's style. And it reminds so, yeah. me a little bit of that cartoon, The, the Boondocks. Yeah, I could see that, too. Okay. And uh, so being able to go in, it was neat to me to be able... The main reason why I got in was a friend of mine ended up doing their... Um, PR got their PR position, and uh, so it just kind of went from there. That's how my wife got the the gig in the uh, Kickstarter video, and it just it just kind of went from there. But going around and taking all these pictures of stuff, I I actually had to go like, hey, um, do you guys mind if I post these? Because mm-hmm. I I don't want to I don't want to get in trouble. Because it was like they do this thing called like First Friday where it's not only are they beta testing their own games, but they're playing other games. Like in one of the rooms, there was a bunch of people playing Scythe. And I got to go, oh, hey, I I interviewed um, Jamie uh, Stonemeyer. And they were like, do you mean Stegmeyer? I'm like, (laughs) yes, also him. I interviewed that guy too. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just neat to me. 
to to see like okay this is what we're working on for the next like you know stretch goal and blah 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 and i was like oh this is cool you know can i post this as an exclusive and they were like no (laughs) (laughs) so i was like okay (laughs) it was just neat to me because you know here here i am in mississippi i don't exactly have a lot of studios and whatnot you know game game companies in my backyard but this one is there and uh yeah so i'm gonna kind of continue to cover this and yeah i'll probably back this simply because i can when it comes down to shipping i can go nope i'll just pick it up Mm -hmm. let's not let's not go with shipping i'll just pick it up and looking at this i think uh yes like 69 bucks is the minimum this is the hunting license bouncy collector you get just the base game and let's see for 99 yeah, you get the Bard Werewolf Expansion Accessories, the Slipcase. And yeah, if you followed us on uh, Twitter at Chance of Gaming, you'll see the pictures I took of just like their storage area. Like if you were going to order a copy of Who Goes There or any of their other games, uh, you know, and order it direct from them. It was just neat to me to just see all the stuff on the shelf, you know, and like, oh, you know, well, this was extras from this Kickstarter and blah, blah, blah. And. We have extras from that. It was just neat to me. It's just not something that I ever thought I would get to encounter here in the middle of Mississippi. So, you know, there you go. So moving on, uh, Roy was going to tell us about Imaginary Imaginary Worlds, the podcast. Yes, so I'm going to plug another podcast. So there is one called Imaginary Worlds. Uh, the, uh, The podcaster's name is Eric Malinsky. And his uh, tagline is how we create them and why we suspend our disbelief. And so he talks about um, all aspects of fantasy and uh, science fiction. He did some episodes about Dungeons and Dragons, about how he had never played and how he got involved in playing. But one of his recent episodes, he talked about the Star Wars radio drama. Um, and explain, and I had kind of heard about this um, so in the early 80s, NPR was kind of on the skids, and they needed something to kind of spice up their um, their brand. So they decided that they would – then they commissioned George Lucas to write a screenplay or a radio play, I guess, um, that was broadcast on, on the radio. And it was broadcast in uh, stereo, which was kind of a um, uh, a new thing back then. And so it is. It is a new hope, and but it is there's some significant differences to it, um, because it begins with um, Luke on Tatooine, and it goes through all of the his dealing with all of his friends, and Biggs shows up, and um, there's a there's a lot of backstory and a lot of extra information, like it gives a good explanation for why uh, C3PO and R2D2 are together. Um, and uh, there's there's plenty of extra information in there. Um, so the Star Wars radio drama is available on YouTube. Uh, it's about five hours of listening, and I'm about about an hour into it right now. Um, so I would recommend people give that a listen because it's pretty cool. Aren't they together because they love and respect each other? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're platonic friends. Yes, that's what I would say. 
Um, they love and respect each other. I've heard of the Star Wars uh, radio drama, you know, over the years. And it's, you know, it's so weird. It's like, you know, growing up, I was born in 76, so I kind of encountered Star Wars in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. It got a re-release um, right before uh, Empire Strikes Back came out. And I don't know if I got, if I went, if... I was taken to see that, but I have clear memories of going to see Return of the Jedi. And so all the stuff was going on, and you know, you know, here in small town Mississippi, you had no idea this this kind of stuff existed. And now that, you know, with the power of the internet, you know, like, oh yeah, this this was there, this was a thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it's really cool to kind of go back and uh, take a look at this. Especially, you know, you mentioned uh, Biggs, Darklighter, was yep. there. And, um, you know, because he was completely edited out of the uh, the first movie, except when he died. Yep. Him, and his, him and his awesome mustache blew up in the Death Star Trench. And, uh, uh, yeah, because I remember, I still have this. It's a, it's a Star Wars picture book. Yes, with, with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 on the cover, right? I can't remember. I know Darth Vader is on the back of it. Yep. It's the only thing I can remember. And it actually has pictures of Biggs Darklighter on there. I and have so, the very same book. And of course, I'm going to try to I'm going to try to do some research and post this in the show notes if I can find the one I'm talking about. And so I had this as a kid and it was just like, "Wow, why is this guy with the mustache and a cape talking to Luke and I never got to see it, you know, in the in the movie?" Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so yeah, that was the whole thing. And, I'm gonna have to go uh, dig fact, that book out now and and, <laughs> and flip through it. And um, I I just remember uh, a, a classmate of mine. Uh, he was in the class below me. Brought his Y wing to school, and that just kind of started a um, a whole thing for me for the love of my Y uh, love of the Y wing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so just a thing. So yeah. It was, so, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, he brought his Y-Wing to school, and yeah, that was cool. I had another friend that brought his AT-AT to school, and that caused me to really want to love that. In fact, I should probably <laughs> hit eBay right now and buy a Y-Wing and an AT-AT. I could use it in Star Wars Legion at the very least, you know. I'll, so, I'll use that as an excuse. I did hear from the uh, Legion Outriders podcast that the, the AT-AT popcorn bucket from disneyland is apparently the right scale to use for legion yeah really i heard them talking about that too okay can can you get that in disney world because like my uh my brother my brother lives in um orlando i could get well pick one up it's probably a limited edition thing i think it just came out Uh, for the star wars weekends oh okay Maybe, maybe a thing and uh, my friend David uh, has this fantastic story that I—it's so—it's so beautiful in oral history and whatnot that I really wish he would like leave it for you know mankind. It's—it's this story about uh, him wanting an ATAT for uh, for Christmas, and his parents that were like, okay, you know, we got to get this kid, you know, what he wants, and okay, here's the ATAT. Oh wait. Look at this. It's this thing called the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah. This is so much better. Let's get him this. He'll love it. And then, you know, he he didn't get what he wanted, and he showed his ass and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's a fantastic story. But, yeah. Anyway. 
Um, uh, yeah, Nadgummit. I'm gonna buy a Y. I've never had a Y wing, and see, that's the whole thing that drives the the used toy market is is like old people like me that are like, you know, I always wanted that, and now that I'm rich and wealthy, I'll just buy it, and that you know will make it worth money. I you used know, to have a ten inch Chewbacca, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Think I have it anymore. Was he actually was he plastic or was he furry? He was plastic. Okay. Oh yeah. If you hug him, he was just. Oh yeah. It was just hard. It was like no, yeah. no hugs. No. He looked a little cross-eyed though. <laughs> uh, uh, moving on to uh, bunnies and burrows, and this is like a, a third. This is the third edition of this particular uh, RPG from Frog God Games. And as of this podcast, they were looking for twelve grand. They're up to twenty-one grand, and they've got seventeen days left to go. This is from Doctor B. Dennis Sestero and Doctor Scott R. Robinson. So you know it's going to be a really good game because there's doctors involved. So <laughs> does this have anything to do with the Steve Jackson game? I'm gonna guess no. I gu- I'm gonna guess it's it's kind of like you know we're we're kind of doing our our version of Watership Down. Would would be my guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Now there is that's... a game called The Warren that I got for my daughter for Christmas last year. That's uh, yeah, it's it's bunny role playing. Really? Yeah. All right. Oh yeah yeah yeah. It's from Bully Pulpit Games. I've yeah. actually had that on a list of mine for for a while. And uh, yeah, because I saw it at Gen Con. I didn't buy it. I just saw it as available. And uh, yeah. Man, what is with people and rabbits? And they're like, you know, let's <laughs> make them fight and kill each other and stuff. Yeah. Well, mm. back in the day, she was really into the Redwall books and uh, the Warriors books about cats. Oh, so my I... daughter's reading that right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep, my 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 kid was in that as well. Okay. So I thought the, the difference... she'd really dig the Warren. So she's played a few games of it. Roy, has she has she read the Green Ember books? No, I don't think so. Those are really good. Uh, we've read, I think, I think we just got the third one. We've read the first two, and I think there's more out there as well. But those are some good bunny books. Which daughter, your younger one or your older one? Uh, actually, the the middle child liked listening to them as well. She enjoyed them, but the little, the nine year old is the one that we're currently doing those. Okay, so my my daughter that's at college now was really into the Warriors and uh, and Redwall. Oh, okay. The green number is that? Would that be uh, what's the age age level there? Um, I would say anywhere from you know if if they're going to read it themselves, you know probably early teens or tweens. Um, if you're going to read it to them, you could go younger. But I mean they're they're good enough stories that you know like a college age girl would probably enjoy them and they would just read fast. Okay. We're uh, we're looking for some books for my nine year old to uh, to read, and she's kind of at an advanced reading level, so yeah, maybe that'll be all right for her. Yeah, my nine year old, she's the one reading the Warriors right now. She keeps telling me about it. <laughs> okay. You could always go with Harry Potter. Yeah, she she's yeah. Uh, re- read through a few of those. Yeah, my wife is reading Harry Potter to her, and I'm reading Lord of the Rings to her, but she's reading oh, okay. the Warriors herself. So Lord of the Rings, wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Not not the Hobbit because you'll just put her to sleep. Well, no, she loved the Hobbit. We we read that one last year and she liked it so much. She wanted to do Lord of the Rings. So, hmm. okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
my kid got into uh, the Warriors, and I was surprised to find out that it's like VC Andrews. It's just a group of writers that are actually like just cranking this stuff out under a pen name. So yeah, that was just interesting to me. But it's it's the lore and the background is really rich and deep with these different clans, you know, and all these histories. And I was surprised at like how dark it gets. It's like they're they're killing people, they're killing their kids, you know, and just you know all this kind of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> just interesting. Yeah, so there you go. And I I'm almost positive there is a Warriors RPG. And uh, I will find that and link it in the show notes so you see it. So there you go. All right. Uh, moving on, uh, the next thing we had was uh, CrookedTower.com has a game called uh, Possession, which is a dynamic card game. It's dark fantasy. It's turn-based for one to four players. And this is just something I kind of ran into and thought it was kind of cool just you know, based on it reminded me a lot of that. Um, what was that game we talked about where there was the schizophrenic guy and uh, each player? Was oh, just everyone is John. Yeah. yeah, reminded me a lot of that. So hmm. I'm just gonna just toss it on here. <clears throat> Unfortunately, for at least me, it's a European-based company, so you'll have to pay a bunch of money to uh, have it shipped over to you. But uh, yeah, just gonna just kind of mention it. You know, mm-hmm. on there. And uh, moving on to uh, the next thing we have was the boldest. I don't remember putting this on there. It must not be me. I don't think that right. was me. Not me. All right. Well, maybe it let's, was. Well, me. Let's let me talk think. about it. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry, it, it was me. So. Defeat mechanical <laughs> monsters. Retrieve enigmatic artifacts. Use helpful items and lead your faction to glory. Yeah, that totally sounds like something I would do. So. So, uh, the boldest is available from designer Sophia Wagner, and uh, from Edition Spielwise is the uh, the company that's putting this out. Pegasus Spiel. Oh, Stronghold Games. That's going to be who the person is over here in the U.S. Aha. Okay. So, so how'd you yeah. hear about this? Because I've never heard of this game before. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. I just, you know. I mean, the reality is, sorry, people that are listening to this, is I just kind of run into things on social media or whatever, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that seems neat. I'll toss it onto our um, Google Docs thing, and we'll talk about it. So, uh, yeah, this is the boldest. And, uh, yeah, I really dig... Yeah, it's coming out from uh, Stronghold Games. I can see that here in the, you know, looking at the back of it. And, yeah, the artwork is really nice. Several different factions, and, uh, yeah, looks pretty cool. And that was all from, yeah, this is all right now, as I see the uh, the latest artwork is uploaded uh, two days ago. So, yeah, this must be something coming for either at the end of the year or uh, first of next year. The forgotten creatures of the forest awaken from their slumber. And no one knows for sure what is lurking in the Iron Valley. You followed the call of your king. Now it is time for heroic deeds. There's somebody with a fish head. Mm. <laughs> a roly-poly fish head. Eat it up. 
<laughs> I yes, I I understood I understood that reference, and I'll post that in the show notes. Uh, Max Prentice passionately created illustrated the world of the boldest. His love for details can be found on every card. Over one hundred unique illustrations let you delve into this rich world. Get ready to explore. So yeah, hmm, some kind of little card game. Looks kind of cool. Dig the artwork. Roly poly fish heads and yeah, so all right, we'll come back to that. That that random and, uh, text was me. Sorry, uh, I, I apologize. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> um, the next thing we have is Oak and Iron, coming from Firelock Games, and I actually did a little demo game on Talk Like a Pirate Day for um, what is the uh, Dadgummit? What is the name of the game from uh, Firelock Games? Their pirate uh, game. Blackbeard? It is no, Blackbeard's bl- GMT. Blood and Plunder. Oh, okay. That's it. And so uh, what they're doing here is they're doing a 1-600 scale naval game set in the age of piracy, imperial expansion, and above all, fighting sail. So this is coming. It's not out yet. and uh, It's coming next month, November 7th. And it's really interested my local gaming group. However, I will say I have a ton of Sails of Glory, which is set in the Napoleonic era, and it's around the same scale. It's from Ares Games. It's pre-painted. And to me, uh, that seems like a better deal. But with this, you know, if you like Blood and Plunder, you know, these are all resin. You'll have to paint them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's honestly going to depend on price. You know, for me, if I'm interested in this, because I have a ton of Sales of Glory, and I never play it. So, there you go. So, I think we talked about this one before, but before it was just basically a, sla- a splash page. And now it yes, looks like they're trickling some information out, but like you said, still no price, still not a whole lot of details out there. Um, I, I certainly like the theme, but we'll have to have to see what this means. Yeah, I'm assuming it's going to play on a four by six table, and you'll have islands, and you know, blah blah blah, no. and you know, there you Looks go. Looks like it's got some dice resolution mechanics. Each ship has a card, so kind of an X-wing kind of thing going. I'd be interested to see all the templates that they list on the one picture are all straight. So I guess you just can't turn. <laughs> see here, 2D makes sense. I know. Yeah, that's exactly. Kind of my knock on X-wing. Yeah. Right. Until you have submersibles, which is not going to be a thing. Sub- yeah, there were no submarines back then. Unless you went, yeah, it'll be fantasy. <laughs> so uh, the next thing was Teotihuacan, City of Gods. All right, Roy has it. This, this is, is me. This, yep. This so I I played an advanced copy of this at Dice Tower Con in July, and uh, as far as I know, the street date was October third. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see about picking this up because I I had fun playing it. Um, so it's a worker placement, and you uh, there's different shops around the perimeter of the board that you go to and produce goods. I mean it's kind of the standard worker placement sort of game. Um, but the the your movers your pawns are dice, and as they go to different shops they gain experience and they they spin up to to a six and once they get to a six then they kind of ascend to heaven they go to the temple and and they you know get sacrificed or whatever and then you you spawn a new worker um that starts at a two and works his way back up 
And so you're you're building the temple, you're making decorations and adornments for the temple, uh, producing cocoa and uh, pottery and all sorts of things. So I've, I've quite enjoyed this game, so I'm going to see about picking this up. So Teotihuacan, City of Gods. Uh, the next thing we had was, what? It says, here I stand next Saturday. Yeah, so next Saturday we're going to have a... Uh, my, my gaming group, STL Wargamers, we meet... Uh, one week a month just to play some more games, and then we've been trying to, a second Saturday each month, host just one big game. We played Twilight Imperium a couple times, and then we're going to play Here I Stand next Saturday. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. Have you guys played that, or do you know much about it? Just what you've said about it. I mean, you've yeah, talked so about it before. I, I am familiar with it. It's been on my list. Because it's considered like, you know, hey, if you're into war games, this thing is awesome, you know, play this, and yeah, yeah. but I've never played it. Yeah, so I think we still have a slot open. Uh, if you want to come by St. Louis next Saturday, we will get you in. Otherwise, I'll, I'll just tell you about it next time we talk. All right. I'll be there. I'll pick up my, I'll, I'll pick up my t-shirt while I'm there. All right, perfect. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, who who has my t-shirt, Richard? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim still has it, but like I said, we we take a couple months off. We haven't played ASL since the tournament. I imagine it's October now. We'll probably play this month. So uh, hopefully, okay. it's... which reminds me, as of uh, you know us talking about the uh, you know just doing this podcast and talking about ASL, what was the uh, the big ASL thing finished this weekend was. ASL Oklahoma? Or? It's not Oklahoma. I, it, it, I thought that was that at first, too. It's actually in Cleveland. It's ASL OK, or ASLOC, they call it. Um, it's As far as I know, this one might be the biggest ASL tournament. I think there were 144 people there this weekend. It's Dude, huge. Dumb. Yeah, it's huge. So, um, And obviously, it's a lot of the same people that are at the St. Louis one. Also go to Aslock. I, I was looking at the names and I recognized a bunch of the names. Um, I'll probably go at some point, but ooh, 144 people is that is a lot of people. And um, yeah, so the, yeah, Aslock. It's in Cleveland. It's around this time every year. <laughs> it is weird. I apparently think ASL Oklahoma, but they're like, no. Oklahoma oh, Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah, uh, Oktoberfest. Okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. It's, it's it's beer and complex World War II movement. All right, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So, uh, moving on to news, I guess before we get there is uh, a lot of I talked about a giveaway for um, Black Powder Two from Warlord Games, um, and uh, never heard back from Warlord. That's okay. I'm just a little podcast. It doesn't matter. It's not like I'm Tom Vassell, even though like I, I totally tried to convince you I was. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you want a copy of uh, Black Powder 2, just uh, drop us a line at uh, chanceofgaming, all one word, at gmail.com. And just say, yeah, I want a copy. And you know what made me really happy is if you like uh, rated us on iTunes or wherever else. And uh, yeah, that'd be a whole thing. And yeah, I'll send you a copy and... It'd be great. Be awesome. So tweet about it. Yeah, I will. Hey, you know and, what? Uh, I yeah. I got a sticker from from Adam <laughs> sent to me in the mail that I put on Twitter and I stuck it on my beer growler. So every time I right. go get beer filled at a bar, people are gonna say, Hey, what's chanceofgaming.com? I gotta check that out. 
So I got a dice bag too, which I'm going to use to put my uh, command tokens for Star Wars Legion in. I was yeah, all right. Yeah. So only the cool only the cool kids have those. <laughs> so if you want to be cool, maybe Adam will send you a sticker. Yeah, absolutely. I'm getting magnets coming in this week too, so it'd be a whole thing. <laughs> so uh, moving on. I did want to comment on uh, B-Lives, We Will Only Know Summer, from our close personal friend, Matt Shoemaker. Um, One of the things I absolutely love about podcasting is when someone actually listens to your dumb joke and is like, oh yeah, I'll just toss that into my game. And uh, yeah. So anyway, as of this podcast, as of we uh, record this, he's met his goal. He just wanted a measly fifteen grand, and um, he's got twenty five. He's gotten twenty five grand. He has sixty three hours to go. So basically, about two days after you hear this, and um, yeah, one of his stretch goals will actually uh, have zombies, <laughs> zombies, ha ha. And, uh, you know, a little cemetery and uh, that kind of thing that we joked about. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I want to see that happen, dadgummit, in this game. So, please, go over here and uh, donate and, uh, yeah, back this, you know, Kickstarter. And there you go. For He just wants uh, two more grand. He gets his upgraded card quality. And, uh, yeah, we get the zombies that I joked about. And, uh, yeah, it just, it, the, the whole thing was weird. It was like I was just, you know, editing that whole interview, and it, he just casually mentioned that it was across, you know, his hives were across the street from a cemetery, and I was like, oh, dadgummit, how did I not seize on that? But I will now, and it's just been a joke that he and I have went back and forth on Twitter, and, yeah, and now it's part of the game, which is awesome. I don't, the and, notion uh, of a zombie with a beehive inside of it just freaks me the hell out. <laughs> yeah, so I was just going to toss that on here. And, you know, anyway. So moving on, the next thing is just a YouTube video that I, I'll toss on here. And it was this guy that, you know, uh, the apocalypse is coming for Magic the Gathering because Amazon is now carrying magic the gathering cards so yeah i i saw this video too and um i don't know it's it's obviously difficult to run any sort of retail store in today's economy um so i guess i guess i can sort of see where he's coming from and i do remember actually when we interviewed jamie stegmeyer a few months ago you asked him about the uh you know the minimum listed price and he, he mentioned that for for his games on Amazon as well. So it's obviously something out there that people care about. But on the other hand, um, this is the economy nowadays. We have internet-based sales, and you, you can't turn that ship around. So businesses are going to have to find a way to live with that and find some sort of value-added uh, features that they can make it a reason to come into their stores and not just buy everything on Amazon. Now, I've mentioned before that I have a membership at my local game store that gets me a discount. And it is it is highly competitive when it comes to um, buying games there versus buying games on Amazon. So, you know, it may be 2 or $3 higher to buy it at the store. But, I mean, 
I'm I'm supporting my my FLGS. Yeah. Yeah, so and with I me if having membership would be I have the way two, to go. Two game store here game stores here that I really like. Uh, miniature market and game night. I probably buy half my games from each of them. I hardly ever buy a game on Amazon just cuz I I do want to support the local stores and um, especially miniature market. Their prices are as good as anywhere. Um, Game night charges a little more, but because they have a a loyalty program, you end up getting pretty much everything back in the form of, you know, rewards points anyway. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, my, my local store, you know, when they decided to buy it and get on and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they were like, look, we've got to be able to compete with the internet. So we're going to offer this or that or whatever. I, I'm not familiar with magic, the gathering, you know, uh, in, in modern terms, I haven't played since ice ages, but I know they, what I think MSRP for a, a box of magic is 149 and they charge, I think a hundred, I think is is what they do, so they're not making that much. And so what this guy is talking about, they're like, oh, it'll lead to the death of all these local stores and blah blah blah. Like I know my local store, you know, it's not only are they cheap on magic, they provide free pizza, you know, for magic nights and you know all this different stuff. I don't think it's the death of it, and the main reason why is Games Workshop was able to survive. Um, you know, internet sales. So, yeah, I, if they survive, magic will survive. And yeah, it's just it's just not a big thing. The, it, it'll happen. Now, I will say it may be well. It may turn out to be like well, you have like three stores in your area that are selling magic. That may go down to two stores or one store. You know, it, it just depends. It, yeah. It just happens, and that that's the way it is. That's the invisible hand of the free market, but, you know, whatever. So I was just going to toss it in here, see what you thought. And, yeah, I don't play, so I guess, you know, maybe I shouldn't toss it in there. <laughs> it is. It, it is what it is. Anyway, moving on. Um, coming up in the next release for Dungeons & Dragons, there is a Mind Flayer Spelljammer Captain in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. And I was going to toss this on here because I'm super excited. It's like, number one, this is kind of a Spelljammer thing. Number two, this is with 5th uh, edition D&D. This is the first time we've had a look at Undermountain, which is ultimately my favorite D&D thing ever. <laughs> and, of course, with the fact that it is a, a Mind Flayer you get all this whole Captain Jack Sparrow type stuff in here, and yes, Pirates of the Caribbean, and there you go. So yeah, all also there's a hamster, for whatever reason. But yeah, there a you space go. hamster. Co- yeah, space. Uh, Wait, magic space hamster. Didn't that hamster have a name in one of the Baldur's Gates games? I think he did. If he did, I don't know enough about it. This is coming out next month, as of we record this podcast. This is Waterdeep Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Yes, his name is Minsk. He's the hamster. No, Minsk was the character, and I think Boo was the hamster. But yeah, I remember the hamster from from Baldur's Gate. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So is this uh, going to be kind of the setup for the 5th edition Spelljammer then? 
uh, we can only hope. Yeah, it makes you wonder. <laughs> so I, always, I always thought Spelljammer was freaking awesome. And, you know, I've never played it, but it sounds kind of kitschy. <laughs> so moving on, um, <laughs> Bad Roll Games uh, is running a Punk Apocalyptic Starter Set Kickstarter. And I actually got some uh, feedback on the last episode we did about Punk Apocalyptic. They're like, you should be more descriptive when it comes to this. And I'm like, um, okay, yeah, I get that. Because this is an audio medium and, you know, there you go. So, uh, yeah, Punk Apocalyptic, uh, these guys on the left-hand side are, like, you know, kind of like punks <clears throat> crossed with the Old West and lots of, you know, hair and whatnot. And the guys on the right are, like, you know, big mutants that are fat and scary. So, yes. So, yeah, this is bad roll games, and is the company that does this and as we've mentioned before punk apocalyptic and uh yeah they had this whole kickstarter going on uh for this game and as of this podcast they've got 62 hours left to go so basically a couple of days uh they wanted 23 grand they've gotten 28 grand so this is happening and uh there you go so there's yeah a lot of different uh things that you can back and oh well actually not because a lot of it is gone at this point what is the minimum on this is 80 pounds no sorry 80 euros which is 92 dollars so you get the punk apocalyptic starter set and this gives you 11 different and really cool miniatures about a rule book and a couple of d10 dices so there you go if you wanted to spend about a hundred bucks to get in on this for this, you know. So the name of one of the factions is the 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 mutants is the mutards, which Ooh, yeah. seems a little problematic. <laughs> the name. Well, you know, somebody's going to get upset. I don't know. I don't know. They're in Europe, so maybe yeah. no one cares over there. <laughs> okay. Over here. Yes. All right. So anyway. Uh, moving on, Osprey Publishing is doing Judge Dredd, The Cursed Earth, which is a uh, RPG based on Judge Dredd. Are you guys into Judge Dredd at all? I have never even seen the movie. There's it just a never looked that interesting to me. Yeah, which I've never <laughs> which seen either one. Which but, yeah. movie? Yeah, which one? Okay. I, I didn't hear realize that Dredd is one. great. I remember St- Sylvester Stallone. That I remember one, that. That one, one apparently That's... sucks. But yeah, the that one was that's the just only called one I Dread is pretty awesome. <laughs> I I will say personally, you know, both of them are not bad. You okay. know, uh, 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 Stallone's version isn't bad. It's okay. And of course, uh, the last one, which was Carl, what's his name? Oh, uh, Carl Urban. Plays, yeah, Carl Urban. Yeah. Uh, it's actually really good. It's low budget, but it's really good. And um, yeah. So you should check that out. I liked but, him in uh, uh, the the Thor movie. It was pretty good. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. Uh, but with this one, yeah, they're coming out with, yeah, it's another RPG. And, uh, yeah, you should check it out if you like Judge Dredd. And apparently a shitload of people do. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Osprey Publishing is taking care of that. Anyway, 
moving on. I was really excited about this next thing. Uh, this is also this is from Warlord Games. There is a new World War II small ship naval combat game coming uh, at the end of the year called Cruel Seas. This is from Warlord Publishing, the company that does bolt action and um, yeah, I think they do Hail Caesar and some other ones. But yeah, they're doing. I think it's a one to 300 scale tabletop miniature game where you command flotillas of small ships in battle. Action in the game is fast paced with six or more ships per side. A thrilling seaborne dogfight can be fought in 45 minutes or less. So This one looks amazing. I have no idea how it plays, yeah. but man, it looks beautiful. It, it really, really does. And it's been, it's caused my local group to be really excited for it and get really confused with the you know, it and um, Flames of War, but yeah, that's it. It's it, it's coming in December, and uh, yeah, there you go. So hmm. anyway, moving on. Uh, the next thing I had was just a comment I ran into on Reddit with uh, it was a whole thing on after five years on Roll Twenty, this uh, gentleman uh, d- canceled and deleted his account. And this is a long post, quoting multiple comments from various sources. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Have you guys had any experience with Roll20 or any of the online RPG no, things? No, but I had seen this uh, post go by, and apparently he got banned. He had a username that was very similar to somebody else on the Roll20 subreddit. And the, the subreddit is run by one of the uh, the developers of Roll20. So they were not brooking any kind of criticism of their product, and he just kind of went on and had talked about, you know, I kind of have some issues with how this works and everything, and the, uh, the, the moderator took it as an affront to his product and banned him. So I, there's a whole story there about, um, this user with one particular username and somebody else who has a similar username, and he kind of reached out to the the moderator and said, "Hey, this isn't me," and got like ignored essentially by the moderator, and basically got the runaround from everybody involved. And eventually, he said, "Well, f- well, fine, I'm done," and so he canceled everything, and it kind of caused this whole stampede of of every other user on Roll20 who was also on Reddit who had seen this post to just jump ship. Um, so it's been kind of a, a I think, a, pretty much a clusterfuck for Roll20. Sounds like it. As far as I know. I, Yeah, I've never actually used uh, Roll20 or any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. I actually think I own... Um, what is the other... Shadow Grounds or whatever... Is, is the other one. I think I have... I bought some of that on Steam, and yeah. I've never actually played a game on it, so... I just thought this was interesting in a discussion point of view. And I'll link it in the show notes to see what you guys think. But this... It was this whole post mm-hmm. from this guy... What is his name? Apostle O. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. This was a pretty big thing 12 days ago on Reddit. So, you know, there you go. Anyway... Uh, moving on, uh, Compass Games is coming out with 
I cannot even begin to pronounce that. What is that? Shoots Troop? Shoots Troop. That'd be my guess. Which is, it happens in, uh, what, um, South Africa? In 1914 to 1918? Yeah, it says this is an all-new edition. I haven't actually heard of this game, but World War One. I, I do not have... I. I don't even think I've played a World War One game, which I'm. I was actually been thinking about that the last few weeks because you know the hundredth anniversary. Oh yeah, that's World War One. Yeah, so I played yeah. that one. <laughs> um, but you know Absolutely. the hundredth anniversary of Armistice Day is next month, and I was hoping to either at our monthly game day or maybe even for the big game day play something, but I, I don't know what yet. So <laughs> I definitely want to play a World War One game next month, but I, I haven't heard anything about this one. You know, there's a movie coming out from, shoot, I can't think of who it was. Maybe um, uh, Peter Jackson did a is has a has or had a World War One movie come out. Really? It was basically it's a documentary where they've kind of restored a bunch of footage and everything. Interesting. Um, I'm not sure if that's who it was or not. Um, and I actually happened to see a YouTube video too that was linked on Reddit where they had this woman who uh, was deaf from about age eight and watched some of the old films and lip read the dialogue that was going on. Um, so that was interesting to give, give voice to these people that have been gone for, you know, 90 years or whatever. Um, so it's, if you search it out, there's a, it's, the woman is, is, uh, is lip reading all these, this old, uh, Silent footage. Hmm. So that was an interesting watch. I'll try to post that in the show notes. With this one that I have listed here, the Schrutz Truth, Schrutz Truth Halia Safari from uh, 1914 to 18, actually happens in uh, East Africa, yeah, right around the World War One time period. It is East African it's an East African guerrilla war with German, British, South African, Portuguese, and Belgian combatants. So yeah, it's coming from Compass Games, and yeah, this one has my attention strictly from the you know the sense of you know with Compass Games is this is something different, you know this is something that I've never heard before. It's original, and so yeah, I'm interested. You know, it's it's combat in German East Africa. Yeah, and Compass Games. I've actually been looking at a few of theirs lately, and we talked last time. I think about Battle Hymn. That's by Compass Games, but they've got some nice looking games out there. I've I've seen a few of theirs, and there's that's definitely a company that I'm going to be looking at more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to me, they're kind of a um, more a high end GMT at least in presentation or whatever, but, you know, I don't know, even if that's an accurate statement. And I don't want it to offend either company, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like, you know, what I think of is like, you know, they're they're more niche. They're somewhere, to me, in between a, if, like, you've got Holland Spiel and GMT, there's Compass Games, you know. It's like, they to me, Compass Games is kind of a high-end... Um, you know, niche type, you know, game, but you know, whatever. Anyway, so moving on, the next thing we had was Pro Magic Player protest conditions by sitting out the World Championship, and the whole reason why I wanted to toss this on here was this: is I 
have seen a lot of people, you know, via Twitter or other social media, like, just complaining or whatever about trying to make a living in the tabletop gaming industry. And the reality is, is I don't think it's possible. I, I don't. This is, I mean, we're not talking about video games or anything, you know, kind of mainstream. Uh, tabletop gaming is very niche, and uh, yeah, I, I just don't think it's possible to make a living. Whereas you're like, this is all I do is I get on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, YouTube, and I have all these videos, and I, I talk about tabletop gamings. And I make a living. I mean, for me, it's just a hobby. You know, it'd be, I don't even operate in the black. That would be fantastic, but it, it doesn't happen. But to see a lot of people that are trying to make a living at, at this, it's, you know, the reality is it's still just a hobby. And I always, always argue. Think about, you know, your favorite tabletop designer, whoever he is, Richard Berg, Richard Borg, Steve Jackson, whoever, I promise, yeah, I promise you he has a day job. I do. He has a day job. You know, he goes to work at, you know, the widget factory making widgets, and that's what he does. And when he gets off work, he comes around and makes, you know, the the fantastic games that you love. I don't believe that as as the norm, a uh, you can make a living in the tabletop industry. You know, and I, I hate to see it because I see it all the time on Twitter is, you know, all these different people. And I'm not going to name them that talk about that are that have like five digits worth of followers and whatever that are like, you know, oh, I can't make rent this month, you know, I can't make it to Essence Spiel or, you know, whatever, because I don't have any money and blah, 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 and yeah. It all comes down to the fact that yeah, you're in the wrong industry, in my opinion. I concur. I, I can barely get my head around around professional video gamers. I, okay, there's a lot of money to be made there. I mean, a shitload. I don't get of it. Money. I don't. To, I I don't understand it either. I don't. But you can make seven figures talking about video games if you're that lucky, you know, to to be in the right place, the right time, or you know, whatever. You can make seven figures a year. It, it just kills me. Like people like PewDiePie or Ninja or whoever that are not even 30 years old that are making seven figures simply, you know, just talking about video games eight hours a day. But, you know, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Apparently, uh, are you guys familiar with Downtown, the air war over Hanoi? Oh, which is yeah, absolutely. 65 to 72? Okay. Apparently, it's being kicked around for this uh, reprint deluxe edition from GNT Games. Yeah, th- so. that's going to be an instant buy for me. I haven't seen that on the P500 or anything yet, um, but yeah, I-, I saw that tweet, and if they announce that that's going up on P500, that's that'll be an instant buy for me. That one looks really good. I've heard a lot about that game, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, I was talking about uh, just wanted to mention it here. I know they uh, mentioned it on Twitter with the fact that it's on their radar. 
in a deluxe edition with additional maps and scenarios, but yeah, it may be next year or maybe even longer. But yeah, I just yeah. Well, I mean, I think if they put it on the P500, that's probably one that would get there pretty quickly. But even then, you're looking at at least a year, maybe a couple before it actually shows up on people's doorsteps. Yeah, very true. Why do we have to wait, Richard? (laughs) Well, I guess we could just go for uh, print on demand for everything. I mean, eventually, we'll probably just all have 3D printers and everything in our house, and we'll just put a credit card in, and the game will just start printing itself out. Replicators for everybody. Exactly. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. That reminds yeah, me. Where is I read that book that you recommended, and I'm probably one of our very first shows. Uh, I am Legion. I am Bob. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very good book. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the recommendation on that one. Oh, you're welcome. That's on my list. I haven't listened to it yet. I actually have it with uh, on audiobook on Audible, but I haven't listened yeah. to it. Apparently, yet. there's a whole series. I've only read the first one, but I enjoyed yeah. it. That's that's all my my uh, library has right now is that I am Legion or We are Legion. Uh, moving on, the next thing we had was two of Sweden's top RPG publishers are uniting under a single banner. Do you guys uh, follow any of these? Which is that would be Corillus, Mutant Year Zero, Sinborum, and Tales of the Loop. Never I've heard, heard of Tales of from the Loop. Any of them. Yeah, Tales of the Loop uh, from the Loop is something I backed uh, a couple years ago. It was uh, it's based in Sweden in the 1980s, and uh, yeah, I just thought it was like really, really cool. It had this nice Stranger Things vibe, and you know, whatever. And then I picked up Mutant Year Zero, and then Symbarum, and uh, I actually haven't picked up Coriolis. But uh, yeah, it was just interesting that Free League Publishing and Team Jeringen, two of Sweden's powerhouse tabletop RPG publishers, have joined forces under a single banner. Bork, bork, so bork. yeah, yeah, it's right. <laughs> I speak it, Swedish. It, it's coming. Yes, I know. <laughs> that's true. I understood what you mean. All right. Um, yeah. So that's that's definitely coming, and uh, it's just interesting to see. So um, moving on, I guess the last thing we had was POTUS hashtag POTUS <laughs> battle oh my inside the Trump White House, and I'm gonna assume Roy put this. You would assume no, wrong. That was Richard. I did. No way. Yes. Because okay. he tweeted me about it. <laughs> I tweeted because it looked so funny to me. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to get political or anything, but this one, honestly, whether even if you're a conservative, even if you love Trump, you've got to admit that um, there is probably a battle going on in the White House for control of his Twitter feed. And <laughs> I think it's funny that someone is making a game out of that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's on Kickstarter. It's uh, they're looking for twenty eight thousand dollars and they're only at seventy three hundred so far. So they've got a ways to go, but they've always almost got three weeks to go, too. So hopefully it'll pick up speed. I did back it, although at this point it's not looking great for that. But I just thought it looked really funny. So I, I, I'm sure I you're on a watch list somewhere. No. I am already on every watch list. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to look at this. This is from ancient HGN Games. Yep. And, and this, uh, the yeah, guy that for, made this like, does have other credits. He's got, I think, a Civil War game. Um, I can't remember what else it was, but he does have other game credits. This is not the first thing he's done. 
I'm looking at the cards. I see there's a Robert Mueller. There's a Sally Yates. Yeah. There's a ben, there's a Ben Carson, a Betsy DJ, uh, Devos, and uh, yeah, this could be a pretty good. Yeah, game. and I think you play these people, and you're trying to, you know, control his Twitter feed, stop things from going haywire, uh, protect yourself from any incoming indictments, and also get your agendas passed his, his across his desk. So it looks it looks <laughs> funny to me. Now, see, I had okay. considered the notion of making trading card, uh, like like bubblegum cards, yeah, of of people that uh, from the the Trump uh, administration, you know, people that have been deposed or uh, fired or <laughs> or resigned or whatever. You know, you could have like the the Betsy DeVos Chase card and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I'm not that ambitious, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Uh, Hashtag focus. <laughs> All right, I'll let I'll have it linked in the show notes. So um, there you go. So uh, yeah, I guess this bring the brings us to the end of the show. Uh, I'll actually be at uh, Board Game Geek Con uh, next month in Dallas, Texas, and I hope to actually get some interviews or whatever. If you want to meet me, you know, just yeah, drop us a line at chanceofgaming at gmail If you want the black powder game if you want a copy of that the new black powder rules from warlord publishing drop us a line at chance of gaming at gmail.com so uh yeah there you go and uh is that it is that it the end for our show i I think so i think so yeah i guess you know that's how we'll go i got my first uh star wars uh x-wing tournament next uh saturday and i'm excited and we'll see how this goes We'll, uh, I guess, meet back uh, about the uh, 20th of oh, October. Yeah, that reminds yeah. me. So two weeks from tonight, I'll be out of town. So that whole weekend. So if we want to push it to Monday, we can. Or you guys can record without me either way. Just two weeks from tonight, I will be out of town. Sure. Okay. We'll work it out. So, yeah, there you go. So um, I guess that's it for uh, the episode 16. And uh, hope you like it and uh, continue to enjoy us. Cool. I sure do like them French fry potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you have too much hair to be Billy Bob. Anyway, so yeah. Good, Good night, night everybody. All right.